I just came back from the salon. And for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells un. Believable, Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze's other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Roe. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash andysgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andysgirls. Sign up today. Don't call me a madam. I prefer miss. You can try to put me on pause, but I came here to play. <laughs> oh my God. We both kind of fucking killed it. We both did some short and sweet tags. I know. We were like, quick in it. Also, I totally forgot. So it was like 20 minutes ago, panic. I was like, no, that's what I'm feeling. I'm feeling it. 
You know, I have had, sometimes I do a tag three seconds before. Yep. Sometimes I'm literally doing something complete, like mid shower and I'm like, got it. There it and is. Then, and then that tag, I was like, ooh, it feels like it might be too much. But I think in, in the context yes. of the Beverly Hills reunion, it's actually completely appropriate. Also, there's no such thing as too much anymore. Like we're beyond I completely agree. And I'm going to tell you already that the time that we have to talk about what the fuck is going on is already not enough. So I feel like we need to discuss. You guys, it's Andy's Girls episode. I have absolutely no idea. And I am so excited (laughs) for a return guest to the people's people's couch here at andy's girls you know this person from the people's couch actor producer nonprofit director and most importantly of recent of late airline passenger emerson collins emerson welcome back oh hi thank you so much i am genuinely so excited to be here you all i am giggling and smiling (laughs) ear to ear i'm feeling punchy there are things to get into i am feeling extremely punchy about (laughs) some stuff that just kind of happened on Housewives that I want to get your thoughts on. But first off, for those who haven't heard, you've gone quite viral on social media in the last couple weeks. Can you tell people about this airplane passenger Michigas? Yes. Uh, so for those who missed it, uh, I was on a flight a couple of weeks ago flying to uh, Dallas with my producing partner, Del Shores. My, in my other life, I'm a nonprofit director for the Del Shores Foundation. We focus specifically on elevating and finding new LGBTQ plus writers. We were on our way to our first writers festival that I was producing. But we got onto the airplane, and you can see the video on my TikTok or my Instagram because I edited it all down, but the short version of a long story is it sounded like someone had taken over the intercom and was either vomiting or masturbating or an awkward combination of the two in some sort of puke yank is what I um, named it. You're welcome. There was these random outbursts over the intercom repeatedly before we took off, while we were in the air. The flight attendants got on and they were like, we're trying to stop it. We don't know what it is. The captain got on and was like, we're sorry. I'm annoyed. We'll figure it out when we get to Dallas. Um, And I, like the middle schooler that I am most of the time, could not stop giggling. Because it was literally, y'all, this. Every two to three minutes. Oh, my God. Also, everyone else got over it, and I was staring the whole time. I was like, this is hysterical. Like, what? Who? I thought it was somebody on the plane. Genuinely was my first thought. Because the comedic timing of it all was geniusly perfect. So I thought, oh, somebody's doing this. And I'll wander up and down the aisles and see if I can see somebody that looks the way I would look, where they, like, can't keep themselves from grinning because they're doing something that's, like, juvenile and hysterical. (laughs) But my Nancy Drew exploits were for naught. I did not find anyone. Uh, so what I, we did the festival and I forgot about it. Blake and I have been on tour with our duo cabaret show, I Dreamed a Dream Girl as well. And then I was like, oh, I have this 15-minute video. I should edit it down and post it for my friends. It'll be silly and funny. And it exploded. And do they know what it was? Did I miss that part of it? What? So uh, I have status on American and I don't want to lose it. So their official <laughs> statement is that there was some sort of feedback happening in the PA system. And I agree with that. 
from somebody fucking? Is that like, <laughs> was it like they're having sex with someone Yelp review that you guys were? What was the feedback? Five stars for I my think, loins? Uh-huh. Like, the, the, there were, it was interesting. All these like science techie people got involved and were like, you know, the sound waves, it's an algorithm. It tries to interpret sounds as human voice because that's what it's oriented to. So maybe it's feedback. That's why I was like, sure. Or it's a ghost in the machine. But whatever it is, what it was was absolutely hysterical. And have they given you anything? No, <laughs> Aside from like an I, no, LOL, do you but, like get anything fun from this? Not heard from American. I mean, what I got was like the funniest comments in the entire world from people. Like just mine alone have watched, been watched like two and a half million times. Oh and you'll appreciate, God. y'all, I have produced movies, plays, television shows. I have been in multiple things. And the press that I did for this dumb airplane video. Like, Blake and I went to Folsom in San Francisco, so I just ignored all the DMs all weekend. Mm. Driving back from San Francisco, I did a Zoom interview with Jeannie Moose from CNN, The Washington Post, The LA Times, Gizmodo. I landed in LA and did a Zoom interview with CBS Local that, like, wanted to come to Blake's parents' house. And I was like, y'all, I have a day. Like, that's too much. And then did NBC Local, Fox Local. The next day, I did some Canadian TV show, a nationwide Canadian radio show. And then I was like, this is enough. We're moving on. Have you seen an increase in your social media followers, like a significant one from this? Or no, it's, it's just one of those things that are Yes, really... it's mostly that. Like, it's not about yeah. me. You know, it's like the hilarious sounds. It's the, who cares? But I was like, just 10% of this press for any one of our actual work projects, right? Oh my God, that's nuts. It went yeah. like super, super, super viral. Yeah. And I will say, it, and just joyfully show. So like everybody was like, this is funny. Oh my gosh, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. So silly, so fun. It didn't ever cross over into that because usually once something goes viral, there's like the hateful people that just want to crap on whatever. Yeah. You know, there was one like, um, your hair doesn't go well with your face like that. But that was like the worst that I got. Oh my god, people are awful. That, yeah. And the fact that it's only one person is honestly a fucking blessing because I yeah. just think people have are looking for something to There are. I mean, there are online. people that, that anytime there's too much joy, like their joy is found in like puncturing that. And what an exhausting way to live. Bye. Um, listen, I feel a little exhausted <laughs> uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. after watching the BH reunion two and a half times. Uh-huh, part I, one of three. I want to... Right. Part one of three, but also one of one, really, <laughs> if you're what? looking for a thesis statement for this season. Yes. Um, I, I want to know from you, though, what's your current vibe? How are you feeling about the state of affairs as a Bravo commentator, as a yes. Bravo-holic? What's yes. your what's your Bravo horoscope giving you? It's funny. I was actually really excited to do this because I was like, I actually feel like we're in sort of different places for the first time in a while on some Ooh. of this. Okay. Not, in a, not in a like dramatic way, but in a, I was thinking a lot about this. I was like, I think there's a couple of real things from this season that really matter. And then the rest of it is a lot of stuff that doesn't matter. And I was thinking mm. this morning about how where I am as a Beverly Hills viewer is weirdly just a viewer. Just a, I watch these as TV yep. shows. These are soap mm-hmm. operas about people I don't know. So I don't really mm-hmm. care um, that as a viewer, this was maybe the most in compelling season for me since Brandy Glanville left. What like what a giant statement wow. for me. And only because literally last night reminded me, I was like, first of all, I'm certain that Dorit's house was broken into pre-pandemic. It was that long ago. Like when we started the conversation there, I said for the first time in so many years, this Beverly Hills reunion had so much to cover 
Yeah. E even Kyle mentioning, by the way, I've been in contact with my burglar and we sent the money. It was like a one-line thing and then we moved on. Like, we've done so many reunions of this particular franchise where we were stretching and dragging and sitting mm -hmm. in, like, one thing for what must have been hours for them. So my, my, my rose before the thorns, so to speak, <laughs> <laughs> is that for the first time in many, many moons, I think, for me with Beverly Hills, the content was so continuous. There were so many pieces of story delivered through the season that just as a viewer... I enjoyed that it wasn't like a season about a dog. It wasn't, you know, there were so many chapters to this season. So my highlight from part one of one is just that, like, we have enough stuff to talk about. We can't sit in any one thing for a long time. And that, for me as a viewer, feels like a win for Beverly Hills just for making good television. If that's my thesis, so to speak. Okay. I love that. I love. I love that, that for you. So I love that journey for you. Hashtag beautiful gowns. Uh -huh. Like I'm very beautiful into gowns. it. Uh -huh. Is it though a successful or compelling reunion if I don't understand what's going on? Maybe I'm in the minority on this, but there were moments that I watched and watched again and watched this morning. Uh huh. And I don't, and watched this afternoon before we hopped on <laughs> Two this. Two and a half Guys, times. We're, we're uh -huh. recording this pre-BravoCon. Uh-huh. I, I don't understand what happened with some of what was discussed in such a way that, like, I feel crazy. Like, I finished watching the reunion 1,700 times, and I... No joke, this isn't even an opinion or a take. Do not understand what happened with Very Dark and Problematic. I don't yes. understand. I need you because it's like yes. I can't even like react. Then there's other stuff that I understood too well, right? Which yes. is another kind of experience. But with the, I don't, I don't know what I know what some of the intention was. I, yes. I believe some of the intention, intention. I believe I understand some of the intention from Kyle's perspective, regardless if I agree, and Crystal's perspective, regardless if I agree. Yeah. But I don't actually understand what happened. It, and do you mean from like how they discussed it or like from the original incidents? I think how they discussed it directly applies to the original yeah. uh, incident because it's completely connected from to the idea of experience. Yes. But it's like trying to separate a person's reaction to something yes. and figuring out what the something is. And yeah. I feel like we skipped ahead in trying. I tried. It's It says something that I, you know, I'm friendly with Crystal. I've had her on Andy's Girls. I do not understand what she was all the entirety, the holistic view of what she was trying to communicate, which to me says something about the conversation itself, because I felt like from her perspective, she was focused, understandably so, this is not a critique. This is genuinely me being like, I don't understand. Yeah. She was saying, this is my experience. And the rest of the women were saying what happened. And I feel like we never figured that out. Yep. I yeah, I agree. You know, it's I've <laughs> there's a fascinating 
conversation about like what is experience versus what is said versus interpretation versus right Mm -hmm. and I definitely feel like that for that one got lost in those pieces and I feel like it goes you know all the way back in La Quinta you know when Garcelle said the I feel like no matter what Sutton said you were gonna get to are you that kind of girl and then Crystal's response of there was dark in the conversation the you know we all I don't know I'm a word person I certainly am a semantics person I can definitely be annoyingly so about that and I feel like I don't I can't imagine what it's like to be a woman of color and trying to articulate that I had an experience of some kind of microaggression or experience the thing that made me uncomfortable but I still don't know that I understand what uh was actually the steps of what transpired in it I think that there is a difference between I not like with for example with the use of the term violation yes to me it's different for me because I have I live with body dysmorphia so I instinctively understood what what crystal felt in that moment and how she was communicating it that might be almost a disservice to people because maybe in the way that I I, I've gone into it at length since but like when I first understood it either it's beneficial because I can um potentially discuss it in a way through the construct and context of ag that uh might be potentially a learning experience for people it might also be difficult for people because I might be just like speaking through that language with the expectation that people understand yeah but with that and again as a white woman I'm not saying that what crystal how crystal is communicating how she felt didn't happen that's not at all what I'm saying what I'm saying is that we never fully understood what occurred that we're very we we have become very focused on not necessarily like a tone policing of crystal's reaction but um maybe a little bit like a tone policing through fact checking yeah and yet i i feel like i shouldn't (laughs) as a content creator as a podcaster as a viewer i still do not understand crystal's time on watch what happens her correction on watch what happens saying that what actually occurred was much darker and separate from what's discussed on the show and what she how she attempted to clarify on the reunion yeah i i did not feel clarified on that one it is and i think that i, I love that you divided that and you have spoken at, at length and well about the violation episode because that always bought i was like everybody gets to like what happens to me i get to create the words for like that's and like it may not be the same for you to be walked in on naked, but like I don't get to also then say that that your word for your experience is wrong. That one was always bonkers to me from the jump. So, uh, but I do. I I think you're right. I think there was some lack of clarity. I think it also feels like a little bit of sh- like shifting as we're trying to get through this through the chapters of like elucidating the specifics of what did or did not happen. Then because I sort of got to the end and was like, oh. Sutton told the story. I didn't know her. It felt like this to me because I didn't know her at the time. And that's why it interpreted for me as dark or weird or whatever. Um, But I also did land at the like, Sutton's fine and they're fine. So I don't know how much more there is to clarify. Well, it's, I don't, again, I don't know if I'm like having the 
LOL correct takeaways from this. But there is something to be said for the fact that Sutton gave a lot of grace to Crystal's experience, which made me feel like I should be more connected to it because to me, it seems some, it, it does instinctively, instinctively to me seem apparent that something happened that Sutton is aware of that we haven't discussed in specifics. It feels like Sutton in that moment was taking ownership of it, but I felt like I was being driven insane because these women were looking for Crystal or I mean, Sutton probably wouldn't like volunteer to say it seems like Sutton learned a lesson, but I want to know what the lesson was learned from. I I don't that's it's hard for me to like understand this when we haven't when we skipped over that point. So, oh, so for you, it's playing like there actually is a more that is not being said. I think it says something if I was Sutton. Like as bra- as Andy said, I must call him Bravo Andy. Oh my god! As Andy, uh-huh. as Andy, known as Bravo Andy on on social, as Andy himself said, like son, it seems like this is essentially a little bit of a turnaround. Like you're, you know, this is salvaging a, a reputation that uh, was a little bit mired in controversy because of the use of the language and. Yet Sutton seemed to acknowledge that something else was existing. Then Kyle goes on Watch What Happens after the after the reunion and says, oh, well, the reason Sutton said that is because she's afraid of being labeled a racist. She wants to give grace so that we can move on from this. And there's an aspect of that that I just honestly don't, I just don't believe. I think there is an understanding these women have that to me feels a little bit predicated on something having taken place but since we're not actually talking about it we're only talking about the I guess aftermath of it these women are able to say this literally doesn't make sense that's interesting I really do sort of feel like it's like the kids in the pool and the I don't know you of it all was the was the was the thing and then because what I for me it's like Crystal's only talking to the rest of the group because they won't put it down right and i go i do go to that like crystal and sutton both seem good and that crystal said knowing her now i would not have experienced that conversation the way it did then makes me feel like if it was something even more overt so to speak would she would it would it be given that much grace but that's why i'm confused because andy then said well using the term like why not just clarify by by saying like well the tone of it overall the way that she was answering questions on watch what happens and uh, on other places begged a person to consider that something specific had occurred now tone can be specific i'm not discounting her experience at all i'm saying by not getting actual quite literal clarity of whether or not this was tone at moments at the moment these episodes aired made a very a situation feel incredibly problematic because the language very dark and problematic was used i understand that that's how crystal felt but by not getting clarity and now sort of getting clarity it it murky. just fe- it feels so murky to me yeah. and you know i just it, it's tough because these women are obsessed with finding out the truth and information when it has something to do with 
Crystal, for example, that they're not applying to other instances when they're directly under attack. But it, it just it it is a very confusing moment. And yeah. it just makes I, I don't think I should. I think that there's a feeling of as I truly struggle, as I am absolutely clumsy with my words, like I think it's OK to feel complicated about things that happen sure. not specific to this, but anything. But I don't know that I should still be so confused about what took place after the amount of time that's been devoted to this on social, on Watch What Happens Live, in the episodes themselves, and at the reunion. Yeah, and I wonder if some of it is also just I don't want to I don't want to backtrack anything because I don't want to give ground to y'all in general, not specifically about this, but you know the like I feel like you all come, and so I'm good with her, but I don't want to give any ground over here. You know, if some of it's not even incident specific, some of it's about like group dynamics of like, I don't want to meet you all anywhere in the middle. And to me, what added to the like frustration of watching the experience of watching that moment play out was like, I think it was the moment where the women were most activated activated. Yes. Erica and Rinna seem to be hiding from the cameras the way I have when an ex walks by. I have literally <laughs> been in the streets of New York seeing someone that I either don't want to talk to or have stopped and I get very I like pretend I am the trunk of a tree. It yes. does not make any sense. Yes. But I'm looking at these women and I'm like who fucked you? Like yeah. I know you did by your behavior but right. like why are you so still that you think you're not like a camouflaged animal. Like we will still see you if you don't move your neck. Yes. But they they were very quiet, including with their expressions, except at moments like that, which made me feel bad when other shit came up because they didn't have that kind of energy, which I thought was at best, slightly obnoxious. I, you know, there's the weird, there's the weird thing, right? As white people, as like culture, as like the things we've been doing and learning and particularly the heightened of the last couple of years, there's that weird thing, right? Where like people being afraid of being called racist more than they are of being racist. So to yes. speak, it's like in my life, I've said racist things. I've unintentionally had done microaggressions, you know, like the, 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 the idea that we're not going to, or we never have is silly, but I, that stillness you're talking about feels like, you know, Rena the last time not understanding what the conversation that was being had about race of like, you know, was it a fear of that weird thing, right? Of I don't want to be called it, so I'm going to stay quiet for the first and only time in in this process. Is there, you know, is there something in like I've been burned, I don't want to play with this fire? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point. I also thought it was really fascinating when Erica mumbled, it's a cop out at the end of it. And I was like, well, sweetie, you're the expert on that. So that's so I funny because I like literally couldn't even tell who said it. I was like, what a weird like under the breath. And I like couldn't tell from the camera like it was Erica that was the one that said that. Yeah. And I hate to say I know that because I watched with the... clips, with, with captions. <laughs> No, I literally just watched it too oh, many times. Oh, yeah. So well, I was <laughs> two and a half viewings. You got just to remember, y'all, Sarah does the work for you. The work. I do the work and I feel like I'm slightly bananas because it's like we're recording this Thursday um afternoon. BravoCon starts manana. Guys, follow me on social because I'm planning to do some live IG stories. Uh not IG story, IG live <laughs> and stuff um at panels on IG at Dame Galley. But it's just like 
the pan- ask anyone, and I've talked to Bray Sander about this, who moderated in 2019, about their experience watching the Beverly Hills panel in 2019, and it was a fucking shit show. It was not in any way Bryce's fault. It was just these women did not want to talk or participate, and there was literally no sense of humor. And I feel like there's an aspect of dread I felt in watching the reunion because it, to me, felt very dark and problematic. Yes. And I'm just thinking to myself, oh, my God, the panel is going to be really tough to watch, yeah. like not fun, like, well, like not fun. And for me, it goes to and it's part of what I was talking about, this being a compelling season. For me, the Beverly Hills Housewives have always been the most concerned with outward presentation. Mm. You know, it, it's always been the hardest for them to pierce through to the like sincerity to the real things. It's why like they dra- you know, it's like I think about the other franchises that I really enjoy are the opposite of like, we can't help but be ourselves and what happens happens. You know, there's a there's I always feel like there's always been so much thought into how we're being perceived, how we're what we're doing, how far we're willing to go from a vast majority of the the Beverly Hills cast members across the years. And I feel like some of that's the Hollywood L.A. thing. And um, and that there more of that has been peeled away and pierced this season for better, for worse. And you're right that they, they there's the least sense of humor because there's the least sincerity for me. You know, I think it's why some like Atlanta, why they can always laugh after their big fights and things, because it's like re- it's it's really real all the time. So it's like we talk it out and that's really us. And then like we're laughing at the next thing, you know, two weeks later, there's an element of the performance of Beverly Hills that I think keeps it from being that like we can have fun even when we're going to have to talk through some really tough things, too. Um, That is an excellent point. And it makes me feel like. You know, when I'm watching these franchises, thinking of the ones that are currently on the air, there is such a lightness and a deft touch from the winks that editors give us to the winks the ladies do as well in how they lead and conduct themselves during conversations to Potomac. Like, yes. Potomac feels like we are all in on the joke here when jokes are made. And it feels like there is a trust, or at least there's a mutual respect between the women in the cast and a groundedness that, to me, like, protects the franchise regardless of singular casting decisions that yeah. are made of, like, or, like, the influence of, I don't know, friends of, or or whatever happens that keeps it grounded and keeps it smart. And I look at Salt Lake City and I'm like, there is a guttural instinct that's happening right now leading to these women lashing out based on past history and current contention that I think is incredibly interesting. And I watched the episode of Salt Lake and I was like, this has a lot of fucking shit to discuss and unpack that I genuinely think is really interesting. I'm almost like proud of them (laughs) because I thought the app was really solid. And then I'm watching Beverly Hills and I'm like, they feel like they're appearing in an alternate universe with separate detached bubbles. And four of these women are crowded inside of one trying to protect each other, but they're getting popped out. And it's like a very unfortunate experience because as an outsider to it, as a viewer, as a podcaster, I'm like, where do you even begin? Which reality am I supposed to acknowledge? The feeling that some of these women have that they're expressing or 
what we actually watched play out. Right. Well, it's also, it's why, you know, I'm at, I was like, I think I'm in a weird space. What's always, what's been most interesting to me in Beverly Hills the last couple of years is when, is the unmasking. Because like as mm-hmm. a franchise, it feels like they worked so hard. You know, it's like the, the repercussions of things, of echoes we're still, we're, we're still feeling, you know, from the exit of Vanderpump all the way up to now. The like, the piercing of the bubble. I mean, uh, the finale party of most seasons of most franchises is just like, yay, here's the end and here, you know, whatever. And it's like, we're kind of done and we know it's fine. Off we go for summer vacation. I'll see you at the reunion. Kyle rolling in with this bomb direct accusation, like not a like round the way, whatever, but straight up like someone from your team, Erica, my Fox Force 5 friend, leaked this story. Like the directness of that accusation at the end of the season I guess I'm most interested now in Beverly Hills when the apple cart is being upset, so to speak. Does that make sense? It does. It also feels like something else is happening here. Like there's something going on with Kyle and Crystal. And I know a lot of people have referenced this online and like hate to say it, but I do feel like some of it is based on like potential fact, not fact, but like potential truth. And some of it's just plain you know like people almost wishing it into reality but like something is going on and there has been chatter around teddy maybe being wanted back by the cast and i wonder if when kyle is fighting with crystal she's doing it because she like dislikes for crystal versus she's doing it because she sees a potential spot avail for her dear sister friend right which to me like what a delusion but sure um the also, that leads to the, because the one that was interesting to me, because, like, the dark we all saw and whatever, but the, like, the weird attack about Crystal's 14 friends and, like, driving so hard at that point, like, one, and then also not saying it when we've just spent, like, ha- you know, 20 yes. minutes talking about, like, say it, say it, say it, you have to say it, what's the, ac- don't, don't say a thing and not say the thing, and then fully, like, digging and diving at her about this external thing that also the rest of us know nothing about. So if you're going to bring it and then not, you're going to bring the the book and then not open any receipt. I was like, who is your friend in Crystal's friend group? What is this thing her friend said? I mean, it would have been an interesting if you're like, I was directly told by this friend of yours, this, 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 you know, but this poking at Crystal's version of events and the semantics of was it when she got first cast? Was it when she first started shooting? I was like, one, I don't care because I don't know what you're talking about. But two, why are you on this so hard? And if the idea is that it's for Teddy to come back on the show, like, ma'am, I've got a bridge in Arizona to sell you. I mean, and doesn't Kyle have enough to poke (laughs) at Crystal with from this season? Like, and same with Crystal and Kyle. Like, I I don't, I, as you said, I agree. I, I truly do not, again, another instance where I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Why do we care about this? There is every, I would assume that every woman who joins the show has some sort of conflict with real life friend her fr- yes. because it's a, a weird new especially thing. with like women and women it gets competitive it can be intense we've also seen instances of like families falling apart like yes. i don't know kyle yeah. kim and kathy for example yeah. and of friendships barbara k luann yeah. many many other uh sigalite and marge like there are so many examples of someone being brought in and a and a friendship 
acquaintanceship, whatever it is, falling apart that I'm like, if you're, you should, if you're making an attempt to let us in on some sort of mark against Crystal's character. Yes, character trait, totally. Mm -hmm. You should have enough material from on camera to do that without referencing people we maybe haven't met who we don't care about. Or at the very least, say what it was. Because, like, at least if I don't know any of these people, but you have a juicy thing that, like, your friend of 20 years said that you did, and you've changed because, you, like, no, that's annoying because it wasn't on camera, but at least it's, like, the actual story. We spent, like, three minutes of this 44-minute episode going about, well, what, what did they say? Well, when was it? Was it on? And then I, I was totally Team Crystal. Like, I clarified it. Are you good? Like yeah. <laughs> And are are we trying to say that Crystal is a worse person than the women on the cast? Erica Jane literally said you can't eat a chicken nugget making light of a woman's eating disorder. And we're saying that Crystal and her like social circle may or may not have strife. And that is worse than anything that Lisa Rinna has said about Kyle's sister any given day of the week that she has made clear has come from like Rinna's mouth. We're pretending that some social circle semantic. Yes. Yes. If if that is how you're developing a reputation you want to attach to Crystal, Kyle isn't doing a very good job. And if she wants to go down that path, we can certainly do it, but apply it to the people who most obviously suck. Right. Well, and like, also, like, what is everyone's friend saying about them? Like, why are we stuck on Chris? Yeah. Like, let's uh, let's bring off everybody's off-camera friends to tell the stories of how they've changed since they went on reality television. It was just like boring. And it was like the one like boring thing for me as well. I was like, I don't care. You have not right. convinced me to care about this in any reasonable or entertaining way. I mean, the greatest sin of reality television isn't like being a bad person. It's being boring. Like, Yeah, and it does feel like there's an awful lot of anger between these two women. And I'm honestly here for it. I would like to see a dynamic on camera, not just at the reunion, of Kyle versus Crystal. I actually... And very into it. It feels like both of these women are speaking to and about each other which in, with an edge, which I am into because we haven't necessarily seen people come directly at Kyle before who aren't blood related. Yeah. And I would like to see that happen. Yes. I'm not against it. I just think like some of this is LOL dumb. Well, you know, in my, in my like bonkers viewer thing I trace back to you know this franchise start headed towards this moment this reunion that in Randy Glanville's very first scene on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills when Kyle and Kim Richards played mean girl to the new girl for no Mm. reason for no reason shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples 
Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. It delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Living in New York City is not easy. Just ask Sonia, trying to sell that house. There are so many mornings where I wake up and think, oh my gosh, I'm having the worst cold of my life. And I realize it's actually from allergies. When my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is looking for Durenda on the Upper East Side. Astapro always has my back and nose. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Paris is always a good idea, and when I schlep on over to Europe to my favorite city in the world, I bring with me a few important phrases that I have learned from housewives. C'est bon, c'est bon. Chic, c'est la vie. Je m'appelle the Countess. N'est-ce pas, Luan? <laughs> and while those key phrases are important when speaking to any French bravoholic for other matters of life, that's where Rosetta Stone comes in. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including, of course, French. It features fast language acquisition. It immerses you in so many ways. There's no English translations. So you really learn to speak, to listen, and to think in that language. It's an intuitive process. You pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. J'adore Chris Manzo. Et toi? There's a speech recognition filter which gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's convenient with desktop and app options. And it's an amazing value. Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. A steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Today. Yeah, Kyle was kind of into being a mean girl then. I guess she's really, really not now. Be like, well, we, lear- we, all, we all learned the lessons of perception, right? But I always think back to, like, we, we get here from that. Like that Brandy, this new girl, da, 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 walked in, was like, hey. And they were like Hollywood horrors to her for no reason with that crutch. 
I mean, I think honestly, the reason was to distract from what was going on with Kim. I think well, yes. it was to shift focus. Absolutely, it was, and and it's uh, it's a fascinating viewing, like hindsight. But you know, we talk about like where are the seeds planted of things that come to fruition. I always think back to that one because I remember as a viewer being like, I don't know this woman, but like, why are we being terrible, like right now, just cause. Yeah, and the difference is like this season with the relationships where they are like is Kathy Brandy? It's Br- Brandy but with poor behavior behind her at that moment in time. Like there is it does feel like Rinna is fucking with her has on social media and then there's a cut scene that I posted on my social on my yes. Instagram last night that wasn't shown in the finale but was released as unseen footage. Where Erica, in trying to, like, defend or uplift Kyle's feelings, says, well, in a group dynamic at the finale party, goes like, well, Kyle, you told me that you were happy that people were talking about Kathy's meltdown. And Kyle is so immediately upset and panicky that she said that on camera, that she's like, I thought that was confidential between us which does seem to be a little bit of a through line for the reunion itself I thought you told me that in confidence or the things that were going on off camera or like adjacent to camera should never be discussed during the show which is I think the problem with BH well and also like the offstage producing of things and whatever I'm gonna if you'll grant me grace for a moment I'm gonna dive into what I know is uh, not the like current view of many of the fan base. Um, okay, so I'm, why do you love Diana based on last night? Yeah, uh huh, definitely. Why I'm like uh-huh. number That's one, number one stand. That's gotta be it. Number one stand. Number one stand. Uh huh. Actually, I'm now the president of Asher's uh, music fan club. Uh, that, Fourteen you know, people in that. Fourteen yeah. friends. Well, it really, it's just to be in proximity to Diana, who I think is the best person who's ever been on a reality show. Like, yes. Heart of gold. Solid. No. Yeah. No, she okay. seems great. She seems great. <laughs> the, before, like, that horror show. No, mine is the, the Richard sisters' journey, right? Here's my, I enjoy Kathy Hilton so much. I enjoy so much what she's done on the show. I love that Kathy Hilton gave one of the best full-throated apologies in the history of an in-season housewife. Mm. Um, I really do. I, re- I really mean that. I like the, the like, no holds barred, like, um, and what I find fascinating about the producing themselves of the show, not the producers, but the, like, we want to have these intended effects, right? That these women, mm-hmm. I feel like, do harder, more often, and to less impactful effect than any franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, Kyle, <laughs> problems on so many fronts. There was a moment in Aspen, prior to all of the, me- the meltdowns, when, Ky- when, Ka- when Kyle Richards had to tell her sister Kathy four times, or whatever, you have to close the front door so the dog will not get out. You have to mm-hmm. close the front door so the dog will not get out. Please don't forget to close the front door so the dog will not get out. As a sibling, what I took from that was not just like, it was who they are in each other's lives, right? Whatever our history is, you are someone to me that I would worry would walk out of the house, the front door of the house and leave the door open and my dog would be running through Aspen. Go with me for a second. Mm-hmm. I think there is a a frustration Kyle's experienced with Kathy's explosion with the fandom, right? You know, everybody loves the doddering, like, the like she's savantly intelligent. She doesn't care about nonsense. She's, you know, a great piercer of the bubbles of nonsense as uh, this the wealthiest woman on the show. Um, that has definitely been frustrating to Kyle. 
And I think for her, there's some elements of like, my sister is not just the wonderful person you all think she is, right, wrong, whatever, that that's her perspective. And that when this happened in the first place, I can imagine Kyle going, I'm not going to say anything because they haven't seen that and I get it a lot. And I'm not mad if people understand that my sister is more than just the wonderful new hero of our series, right or wrong, you know, but that frustration. Um, and then it went too far. You know, there's the like the version of, oh, people said and your sister blew up and she said crazy things because I did watch as Kathy gave that apology. And I felt like with this very real moment between these sisters and it was he, you know, that was a real <laughs> good apology. One of my big housewives things is why are people bad at apologies? Why couldn't Erica just turn to Crystal and say, regardless of my intent, regardless of what I thought I was doing, that joke was horrifyingly inappropriate. I'm sorry for the words that I said about something that's sensitive to you. I hate that I could have made anything about, you know, why are we bad at apologizing completely on things that doesn't make it better, but that are just honest. I was shitty, I'm sorry, right? Kathy, that's what Kathy did like the best apology for me of so many and it, to her sister. And then the awkwardness of Rena arriving into that scene afterwards to then keep making the show, so to speak. You know, the like, we're not gonna get away with this. The like soap opera villainous that was in such stark contrast to what felt like the sincerity of what we just experienced between the sisters. And I wondered as a viewer in that moment, <clears throat> it felt like Kyle let her say some of it, right? You know, she's like, I could have just say, we just, she just apologized to me and we're good. I'm good. Thank you. Goodbye. We're not, we don't need this scene, so to speak. That that's the part was like, I'm going to let them do a little bit because I'm frustrated that everybody thinks she's the greatest thing ever. And that's not my life with her. And then I think as it grew to the next party, it was like, I do really need to be done with this. I thought a little was fine. And now a lot is too much. And now I can't undo it. And her two friends who thought they were doing the work that she wanted them to do are like, well, now we've stuck on our necks and we're not gonna back down from it. And that leads to the like, I'm gonna pick my sister over the two of you, but is it too late? Does, does that follow? It does, it, it's, you're making so many great points. And I feel like uh, there's a level of forgetfulness that can be subverted. Like there's the, there's the idea of the way that the fandom um, in many ways have a lot of affection for Kathy from how she went in last season from her forgetfulness, yeah. um, like a kookiness that was yes. unexpected to a lot of people. And then there's the way that a person can forget or wants you to forget and never remember again if they treat you poorly. Right. And I feel like Kyle at that point, at that moment, was grateful that other people were not forgetting Kathy's behavior the way that Kyle maybe feels she has been forced to previously well, like and I feel like it's that right it's like I have to forgive her one is family yeah that's real Fair's wedding's coming up and I really want them there but it's sort of nice to have someone else not letting it go as quickly as I need to for reality or appearances or our actual family life yeah, I think there's a difference. It's like the whole thing of I can forgive but not forget. And I think that in the um, construct of their relationship, there is probably a demand for both. Yeah. You both, uh, I don't acknowledge any forgiveness offered. This is just the dynamic of our relationship, but you better not remember it. And it is a likely very toxic cycle that continues to be toxic because – 
both of these women are on this fucking show. Yes. Eventually, inevitably, specifics relating to their relationship was going to play out. And it has not worked out in, I would say, either of their favor. Not necessarily. Well, because my and my piece of it is it's like, you know, yeah. for all of Kyle's like Kyle with Crystal, like there's all these places where I'm like, Kyle, what are you doing? There is a little bit of the Kathy that I comprehend the complicated nature of siblings being on camera together. Mm-hmm. That is the like that my life with her has been like this from my perspective. And you all do not see or know all of that. And this is one inkling of a thing that I've been through that I'm like kind of glad you're seeing because then your feelings about her will be complicated the way they are about me. Right. Because then whether or not she forgives me for not shutting this down, I have trust that you won't forget. Right. You will have seen it. You know, we can't just like strike it from the record jury. (laughs) Like sure, but we still heard it. Right. But the problem is we literally didn't hear it. And so we're being asked to forgive or forget a circumstance that was not caught on film, which yeah. makes this entirely fucked. Yeah. And like to, to tangent for a moment, what do you feel? I'm like, first of all, my one big question that I feel like hasn't been asked at any point to my awareness, unless it was when I watched what happens that I missed. Uh, why was Rinda the one who took Kathy home? Why was she the person? Do not ever get on a sprinter van with Lisa Rinna without a witness. And, you know, for all the complicated what we do and don't know about the Kathy Hilton legal team of it all on the circumstances behind the minute whatever that journey is, the like, it's so hard for me to believe that it, if that they got into a Sprinter van that did not have a camera. The, the little GoPros or a mic anywhere in that van was not on if a Bravo production person picked them up. If they didn't get into an Uber, and you want me to believe that there wasn't a we're rolling just in case, like catching Heather Dubrow in the dark in Ireland, like that there is, mm. <laughs> that there is, that there is not just terrible uh, audio somewhere is brain bleeding to me. I would like to know, because I don't know if it's been asked, if there was a single person from production who joined these women, noting it was, they had wrapped for the day and cameras weren't allowed in the caribou club, all of that stuff, you know, uh, taking note of that, I would like to know if there was a single person from the cast and also who was the driver of the van. Was it a production person or was it a chauffeur? Yeah. Was this a teamster on call? Was it the like, you know, just the driver that's the driver? It just, if it's anybody that was being paid in any way by anyone related to Corporate Bravo, that there's like nothing and nothing, nothing is... Because then I go back to, again, why Lisa Renna? Why not, you know, any of the people that Kathy is closer to? I've, right? Is, is it, am I the, like, it's weird that we haven't asked, Kyle, why weren't you the one that took your sister home if she was having a bad time? I you don't know? know. But I also feel like, is Kyle responsible Is Kyle responsible for oh, her sister's oh, fun? I don't even think she is. I just find it like, why has that not been asked? Has it? Has anybody asked? No, I don't think it has. It's a it's a good it's a good question. I mean, it is something that we have discussed on prior AGs, yeah. just in the just in this in not as in as specific a tone, but just in terms of like Lisa Rinna. But I, I don't know. You know, Kyle also said on Watch What Happens that Mauricio was asleep the whole time this tantrum was going on, right? And it's because they were at the lower level. Um, apologies to Luann and Mo was sleeping up top and is apparently a heavy sleeper. But like, I, I, all of this is so confusing to me, which we'll never really get to. But because there's been so much immediate visceral 
upsetting info that came out, was leaked, was strategically leaked, was passed along, became a game of Instagram telephone. It got garbled and worse as more accounts and blogs and gossip, whatever, picked it up that it's like, I don't even know what we're left with now. And am I to assume that if certain things aren't referenced, it's because they didn't happen? Like Lisa Rinna is not known for holding her tongue in the way that, um, Garcelle rightly called out Diana's hashtag systematic bullying against her on social. Rinna has absolutely done the same with Kathy for months. She's also taken to Instagram stories and directly accused her show's producer of potentially orchestrating the bot attack against Jax, the same person I would assume who's producing the reunion that day. It makes you kind of wonder if Rinna is able to hypothesize these things on social media and then dirty delete so that people will talk about them with seemingly no grounding in fact, what else could she have said and done? Well, it's also, and I go both ways with this, right? Because that, and I also go the other way of the one thing I comprehend from Rena's bonkers journey on socials uh, is the, 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 is the mention at all of it all. You know, everyone mm-hmm. gets their turn and we're not shutting down yours just because you have powerful enough attorneys or threats or whatever, that it feels like, what was or wasn't said, who knows, because nobody was there. But whatever Rena's experience of it is, that her anger is as much at her perception of the story being lessened or tamped down. And the, from her side, injustice of that, when no one else got a reprieve from consequences for their words or actions when it was their turn in the hot seat. Not that that's right or wrong and like how, what the, but I feel like there has to be footage of Rena at, at some point in this process going, she said, beyond the one, the one thing we got. So the problem with that for me yeah. is that Lisa Rena seems very focused, almost patriotic even in the terms of mention it all to make sure we are all aware of exactly what happened because to Rena, when we're talking about what happened with Kathy and Aspen, Torina, the most important thing for us to understand is that Kathy has a black heart. Rina wants us to make sure we are aware that this is a woman who must seek mental health support. This is a woman who I'm not only trying to shame for having a meltdown of whatever consequence that took place, But I also want you to understand you, the audience, as I communicate to this person in the round, you know, like Rin is considering Uh, the cameras in front Uh, of her to be Shakespearean, of Shakespearean consequence. Uh And she wants us to make sure we're aware that what took place off camera, it's important to understand because it shows a person's character. And since the cameras weren't there, and it's so vitally important to let this play out. I'm not going to let that go. Now, let's let's take her for her word on that. That, right. that is she's doing a patriotic duty because she does believe we need to let this play out. Let the drama unfold, especially when it involves the revealing of a person's potential poor character. Then I look at another moment from Aspen 
after Erica said, I don't give a shit or I don't give a fuck about anybody but me, when she's directly saying yep. that the quote unquote widows and and uh, widows and burn victims, widows and orphans do not matter to me. I only care about myself and nothing more. What did Rinna do in that situation? Did she sit back camera. and allow her to reveal her own black heart or did she say it's time for her to go because she knew how damaging it was we are supposed to expect and understand that Rinna you know like sassafras that she is is only focused on this because it's her job like right. that's the joke that she makes on social media that about five people can witness because she's blocked everybody else she's yep. saying that this is the thing that you love about me and you love to hate me and i'm never gonna stop it except on camera we've seen examples of the exact opposite so which rinna are we supposed to believe at this point oh 100 well yeah it's part of you know the 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 journey, right, of the hypocrisy that, like, the people I am loyal to, yes, I will run my friend Erica off camera so that she doesn't say anything worse than she's already said tonight, but you are not my friend, so I will drag everything I can about you into the light, onto the camera, whether it was witnessed or not. And whether that's, like, started as a loyalty to Kyle or whether it's jealousy of the fan reception, the universal adoration for Kathy from her first appearances, like what weird combination for her. Yeah. I mean, the hypocrisy of like the, when it's my team versus when it's not my team, you know, adding on to that or shifting or whatever you want to fucking call it. <laughs> uh -huh. I don't know that I have been angrier than seeing the moments of silence from, I think, everyone in the cast, but Kyle, which, oy vey. The moments of silence from the cast, the moments of, like, expressionless quiet as Diana stepped into her shoes as maybe, like, the baddest person morally otherwise that we have ever seen on housewives i think diana is a i mean this genuinely okay i mean this with full sincerity i think diana is a terrible person i think the way that diana treated garcelle and Jax after these attacks began was atrocious yep and to watch the rest of the the cast and I guess Andy support a alternate universe style version of Diana's mothering of uh -huh. Jax uh -huh. without any pushback yeah. to me was like beyond awkward. I felt yeah. I have never connected with a housewife on rare occasion have I felt in my bones how another housewife is feeling? Yep. And Garcelle was so physically uncomfortable yes. the entire time that Head Cold was on screen. I felt that in every fiber of my being as I felt deeply, deeply annoyed that the rest of the cast either agreed with Diana, was scared to interject, or disliked Garcelle enough to allow Diana to gaslight the reality of what happened to Jax. Yeah. 
including Andy, that made me like question what actually took place. Like Diana saying to Garcelle, not only that Jack's the the racist death threat that was the focus of so much of this wasn't a quote unquote actual threat, like what Diana had experienced. Right. And being so emotionally manipulative to connect it to the absolutely terrible and devastating murder of her brother yeah. was um, repugnant to me yeah. or confusing. And then, and then to say, um, what Jack should have done when he was told that someone was going to murder him, like George Floyd, what he should have done was to protect a Her. grown woman uh-huh. yep. with enormous resources. She remembers how wealthy she is when she wants to use it against somebody else, um, as she did Garcelle seemingly yeah. moments later, is to uh, <laughs> crit- criticize a 14-year-old child's response to a death threat yep. Because Diana's name should have been blocked out yep. when her son was just simply saying, essentially, quite literally, my life matters. Please stop threatening it. And for Diana, sweet, sweet Diana, gorgeous Diana, uh-huh. sweetheart Diana, to respond to all of that and treat Jax's trauma and Garcelle's trauma as something that should have been corrected or taught when it took Diana a solid 24 hours to respond, noting Rinna responded to the attack seemingly within minutes, for Diana to say, I'm going to take care of your son now, when whoever was running her social media was deleting comments from people saying, why aren't you speaking out, which I covered in a Daily Beast piece, one of several, it just felt like, my God, you are quite bad. Like, you are quite bad. As Garcelle said, I don't want to talk to her anymore. Neither do any of us. We talk about reality TV villains, you know, as like fun part of our television shows. And this is just actual villain. Um, you know, I in the episode, I, actually, I loved that actually, like the second segment at the top of the show after the... We didn't even do, like, for a light moment. The Jamie Lee Curtis pumpkins and the, like, Dorit mm. Wind Chimes and that the Dorit Wind Chimes actually, like, raised good money for her organization. What a lovely bright spot in a in a dark night. Yeah. Um, that the very next segment was specifically about Jax being a kid, being a black kid, uh, that we started there. And then the weird boomerang to the end of the episode to, like, do it with the Diana. I felt exactly the way you did. I, I thought, watching the thing, I said, Garcelle is clearly in this moment. Obviously, white man talking. Uh, she, as the black woman on the show defending her son, is still clearly working to be so careful and crafting her response to not exacerbate the racist fans, the racist responses, to not make anything worse. And it is one of those moments where I did notice the silence across the room of this is the awkward moments where you do step in for your friend. Regard, you know, you all are happy to jump in. I mean, Erica and Rinna were so angry that Crystal and Sutton are fine with each other now. Happy to jump in and say, why are y'all good? This Choosing this moment to be the one you don't get into, it is, silence speaks volumes now because it endorses what's happening, essentially, 
that you're like, this is not worth my effort to get into. And watching ourselves sort of stand on an island, responding to something that should be so easy for everyone to get in and be say, this is bonkers what you are saying. I really felt the the intentional silence around the room in a moment where if any part of you is a friend to this woman who is explaining this and the idea that there's any accountability to be had by the 14-year-old black boy who was the target of all of this, that his any of his actions could be incorrect, any of his responses could be anything other than like the the pain of a kid to not stand to Diana and say like, that that's an insane ask that you are that your your where you are going on this journey uh for your own self is not okay when it's Garcelle and her son that were the targets. Yeah, I can't imagine placing the responsibility of um being terrorized better or something right. on on the shoulders of a 14-year-old child who was just sent a racist death threat. And yet that is what Diana is doing, translated by Kyle, who really should have shut the fuck up. Or maybe not, because this is like a conversation that should take place, possibly the last one, between Garcelle and Kyle. This is the truest example of what had happened in season reunions past of well, I heard from the charity that you didn't contribute microaggression. Instead of translating on Diana's behalf, Kyle should have either shut the absolute fuck up and done what the rest of her dumb fuck friends had done or should have translated what Garcelle was saying to Diana. Yeah. Because Diana obviously, obviously doesn't understand what the fuck is going on for a woman with a lot of resources she has absolutely no awareness and that is great for her she can live her best life with tons of money tons of lawyers and tons of spite but other people either are aware or are listening and should know enough to I don't know, speak with their faces or do something else. And Kyle in that moment made a very specific choice. I don't know. Like, I don't know what Diana's friendship is worth versus threat. It does apparently turn out that if you upset Diana, she will make a point of seeking revenge for Diana at the worst possible moment of Garcelle's adult life I would uh, suspect when her child is being sent racist death threats and isn't even at her house he's with his dad so she's trying to handle this online and Diana is saying as she has previously you should be grateful for my cash I'm taking better care of your son than you are I am giving you resources you should feel grateful for that understanding that this whomever bought this bot farm attack diana's name as kyle's was dorit's was erica's was reno's was was referenced dozens and dozens 
and dozens of times to pretend that it only happened in the construct of a racist death threat is a is not the reality of what took place. And yet we're watching an alternate reality when it comes to the silence in between Diana actually saying something hours, by the way, after my Daily Beast piece came out and the network posted their response when she seemed to care an awful lot, as she absolutely should, and then received seemingly very violent, vile responses, which no one should ever, ever receive. If you are on social media right now, I'm speaking to the AG audience, and you are threatening one of these women on television, that is unacceptable and vile. I also hate the way that these women are discussed and called uh, language that, you know, sometimes they call each other on TV for a laugh. I just think like, we are smarter and better than that. There's no excuse for it. Yep. But for Diana at the worst possible time in Garcelle's life to threaten her with lawyers and say, I will end you and Bravo won't be able to stop me. How? How do you put up a scene between these two women when Diana is sick with like, who knows what the fuck else? How do you put up a scene with these women and not have someone interject? Is she that terrifying i believe it that she is but what does that say about everybody else and what does that say about garcelle's strength of character to withstand this vile vile bad woman it was i i you guys i'm so glad we're not using video of this like i wanted to jump out of my seat at points because why is she even talking why she's there she's not she's not she she's she looks great you know like god bless like great glam but but why is she there if she's not going to be there because what the fuck is the reunion for is this the standard that we're not we're now setting just so i'm aware like should everyone be on social every day 24 7 to track what's going on since it won't be discussed on the reunion i don't have an answer for that what i do have an answer to is like is diana great um spoiler alert probably not and should she be back lol yeah you first of all no not in any world not for television not for person like there's no reason no but also i think about all of that you just said, I mean, glorious, like, please preach that sermon. I would attend your church. Um, I am a convert. I would give in the offering plate. I would light the candles. Tie that 95%. Tie that 95%. Perfect. The, I think about just the text message, like ignoring all of the rest of like you articulated and pulled together all the pieces of the social media journey. I'm still grateful. That's still the only reason I understood all of it. Um, just that text message, just the text message of, your son is experiencing this right now and I'm going to make a threat to you because of theoretical blowback from the threats that are happening to your son. Some of it's bouncing to me and I'm going to hold you responsible for the shrapnel from the attacks on your son. And that Garcelle kept any composure in discussing that text message. I would not. I mean, I'm not a like, I'm not a screamer. I'm not a whatever, but the, the righteous anger on top of like that this is people coming for my child and then you have the audacity to step into it and threaten me because of the threats that are happening to my child. They like that she managed to speak to Diana at all is a Herculean effort. And I think goes back to the like her awareness of her life as a black woman and the only black woman on the show. 
having to do that to win the way she wants to, needs to, whatever. I, I, I don't, I don't think I could have done it. I don't think I could have done it nearly as well as she did. And then to sit there and have the silence of your friends. You know, there are lots of arguments. We don't need everybody in. There are lots of things. Great, we're arguing about like someone's rude to waitstaff, whatever. This kind of moment, like this speaks to the like who you are. What, what are you willing to fight against? What are you willing to step in and say, this isn't my fight and I'm making it my fight because I care about you, you know? We, do, we all do that in life. We choose the moments where we go, this is not my business and I'm making it my business because this matters to me, this is important to me. And when you don't do that, it says something too. I think it is complicated because she was zooming in that yes, maybe there was a sense of like these two women are talking to and about each other because they felt it needed to be included. And Very I honestly valid. don't Very. begrudge them for that. I have a lot of anger about what Garcelle was forced to experience. That's a, you're very true. I can't even imagine the technical of she's on a screen behind part of the group. And if we talk over each other. Yeah, that's, some that's of this really is fair. unfair and yep. I completely acknowledge it. But I also acknowledge that the episode began by talking about Dorit's behavior during the robbery and how that likely saved her kids lives and her own that her quick thinking and um, unbelievable composure during an incredibly violent episode absolutely helped her kids and I thought of the ways that the women were so connected to her in that moment allowing her grace that fucking yawn was like oh my god it was honestly the way that she it was just funny because it was like Andy obviously did not mean to it was just a this and they were they'd been there since six o'clock he probably had been there earlier like yes it was a light moment during a, a dark spiel and also sort of lovely I actually I, and I appreciated Dorit even in that moment getting like not upset, but not upset. But like, I was like, this is actually what I love best about this. He's obviously not making light of the right. horrifying experience that you had, but the comedy of errors of now two years in a row, you've yawned as I was speaking at length about something was like glorious from everyone. A hundred percent. And I thought of the ways that the women were really with her during that, both supporting her as uh immediately after they discovered what had happened with the robbery and obviously in the months that followed. And I just think about what Garcelle experienced in trying to and continuing to try to protect her child because what we watched take place was a woman say that Garcelle's child, after receiving a death threat, someone... uh, Someone ostensibly putting his body as a substitute for George Floyd. And Garcelle is trying to figure out what the fuck is going on, protect her child, and to receive critical feedback veiled as threats that her child, who's 14 years old, should have done better in that moment. You're both criticizing Garcelle's parenting as well as her child and to think that that is appropriate and to defend it and to then say but my threats are worse and I know a thing about threats yeah I would just think to be like a black woman living in this country the amount of stress and pain and anguish that you and I specific to this, will never understand. The tension 
that could exist. I'm not yeah. going to speak to her experience except to say the enormous tension and stress associated with that, especially during the height of the Black Lives Matter movement as it happened in 2020, for someone to subvert that into a death threat. And then you say to this mom who is simply trying to protect her son from something to say to her what he did, you should care about my family more than maybe I cared about yours yeah. because I kept quiet for so long after. Yeah. That is enormously insulting to anyone. Yes. And to watch Garcelle carry that burden, I just felt like this is um bad. What we're watching right now it's it's very bad, and I don't think Garcelle. Uh, I think that Garcelle is going to stay on the show. Yeah. I just wonder though, <laughs> what it means for everyone else to have watched that take place. Like, I just wonder if you are any of these women, Kyle, uh, Erica, Crystal, Sutton, um, who the fuck else is there? Rina. Uh, yes. How do you, this is so stupid of me, how do you, like, hang out with Diana after that? Because to me, that's like either you agree with her or you don't care. I just right. can't imagine putting the humanity of a 14-year-old child um, behind an artificial relationship. I just right. can't imagine it. It's like one of those things, like I had an allergic react. I had a spiritual yeah. allergic reaction to it. I felt, I got like immediate spiritual hives. Yeah. Well, and it is because, because there's such a cast of coworkers anyway. Yeah. That, you know, it's like, if somebody at your work does something that doesn't seem, you know, it's like, look, if I make a horrifying public mistake, I hope my closest friends are going to like hold me accountable and still be my friend. But like my work friends are probably going to be like, mm, bye. Like, I don't, I'm not, I don't need to ride with you like that. And yeah, the reality of this and that, and I still think about that no one's jumped in to say, are you saying that his threats are less real because you once experienced a threat that was realized? Like, is that specifically what you're trying to say? Are you trying to wield your personal horrifying history right. to say that didn't come true, so it's not as bad? Like, in what world do we know what threats become realized and what don't? Right. Like, which one is from the person who is finding your address and showing up versus the person who's, like, sitting in a basement and, you know, not going to... How is that what you're trying to say? That I mean, BCC George Floyd's literal family, right? Like, quite literally, ask them if what happened was an actual fact because right. no one is trying to discount or minimize what the terrible events that happened with Diana's brother yeah. and what she experienced and her experience as a refugee. No one is taking that away from her, and yet. Garcelle and Jax's trauma and experience and behaviors and re reactions are being criticized. That to me is psychotic. Well, like, and also, if you're so concerned that the that the that the 
bounce back threats to you for being included in that are so real that they're a real threat to your family, shouldn't that make you also mentally aware that that means the threats to the other family are so real that you should be aware that this is a child not at all prepared to eat, deal with, you know what I mean? Like if your point was now it's coming at me and if da 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 I will come for you, that should make you go, oh, and they are going through even worse because it hit them first before it even came to me. Like the the comparison you tried to make diminishing their their experience. Right. No one is trying to diminish what I'm sure were vile and disgusting threats that Diana, I'm sure, received. I, no one is trying to take that away from her. But to minimize and correct a child and make him responsible for what other people were saying is quite an LOL when these women were saying, how dare you assume that I had anything to do with this? It's like so uneven, so obviously inequitable that it's disturbing. And I'm also disturbed by the fact that we literally didn't talk about Salt Lake and I have to go do some BravoCon stuff. You have real things. Uh, Let's just say. Cliff notes, the ladies are soaring. I'm so thrilled. I love that Meredith came with a plan for the whole season that's clearly to start from day one. With LOL. This not subtle takedown. Also, her recently tweeting, I did not suggest it was sexual favors, was the biggest lull in quite some time. I enjoy the way they semantics, like bad, great towards each other. Whitney truth teller. They're like, it's all hitting at Heather now and who's a liar and like, thank you all for coming to play. And the cringe factor of everything Jen Shaw says about anything this whole season. Um, Heather Gay, honestly, doing the Lord's work by not just leaving it to the confessional to translate, but actually having reasonable conversations with people in real time. Yes. I, so appreciated. Absolutely. So appreciated. They're like, Meredith, you're being condescending. Like, you get to be right. But like, yeah. I love the way she's like, I just want to say it. You know, Whitney's like truth teller off, like running around the Tasmanian devil courtyard. And Heather's like, yeah, but here's actually, like, here's the real thing. Like, can we just say this? Let's be honest. She was wrong. You're being patronizing. That's not going to fix it. And the Lisa Vanderpump blowout that Meredith had in the, like, Loved the halfway it. transition. So at least we get Into it. some high points. And we see that in every moment of the day on Potomac with the way that Karen approached Mia and Giselle jumped to it with Wendy. Don't fucking touch me. Like they, they get to the heart of the matter. Just the picnic in the park of like the, the ladies who say like, we understand we are a team. We will fight. We will make up. We will, those women understand the job and each other and they show up to play every time. And I hate that Beverly Hills takes up all the air in the room, but it sometimes does. And the importance is that when this 19-part reunion finishes, we can move the fuck on because Potomac, I'm telling you, you know this, is going to give great. And Salt Lake City is doing really interesting stuff. It just so happens that Beverly Hills is such a fucking shit show. And also, as you said, compelling to watch. That we, I felt like there was a lot that, a a lot of stuff of importance that we were able to like deep dive. And I'm excited, honestly. To get to fun things. Yeah, to get to fun things, to survive the panel at BravoCon. And and guys, you better be following me on social. Yes. Also, since I'm not going, I will be living vicariously through all of your experiences. Thank you for sharing them. Um, you're welcome in advance. I'm very excited. And unfortunately, I wish this could be a 19 hour episode, but I quite literally do you, have you to have run to an event that I'm hosting. <laughs> Once this is all done, I'll come back a little later in the journey so we can do just Potomac Salt Lake City only. 
Like literally in the next couple of weeks, yes. I swear to God, because it, I'm so excited to have some of the um, very dark and problematic actions on the reunion be put to bed so yes. that we can move on into the light. And yes. the light to me is Salt Lake City and Potomac. And I'm here for it. And yes. guys, you know what? Sometimes we have like um, whoops-a-daisy, you know, like yada yada episodes. And sometimes we get into fucking shit. And I'm appreciative to all of you for for being a part of the journey because at the end of the day, it's honest conversation. Yeah. And I really think that that is um, something uh, that can bring value regardless of whether or not you agree with what's said. Emerson Collins, tell the people what you got cooking and where folks can follow you online and hear some, you know, jetliner orgasms and everything else. Yes, you know your community so much. Thank you all so much. Your responses to our playtime together is always great on instagram at emerson collins on twitter at actually emerson um and if you want blake and i have been touring with our duo cabaret show we're booking a bunch more cities for the spring i am really finally working on new york fyi um oh my god i can't wait for that do you know when no tbd You'll tell like, me offline. we have the venue that wants us but haven't picked the date but you guys can see the trailer on my website emersoncollins.com backslash tour amazing you're gonna tell me offline more about that yeah not like today, but like later we'll talk. Okay. I want to know about the venue. Okay. Post trauma. <laughs> okay. But yes, please. Um, guys, follow me on social at Dame Galley on Instagram. I'm going to be posting an awful lot during BravoCon uh, and would highly recommend you find that there. The Andy Scrolls Patreon is the number one way to support the pod. You get exclusive bonus episodes, invites to special Zoom kikis, and so much more. There's a supersized ep up with James LaRosa, a satchel spectacular. <gasps> Yes. I love James so much. He is one of my very good friends. I met him through Andy's Girls and we talk 24-7. I met him because of Hit the Floor. I love his work. Yeah. Well, listen, James LaRosa is going to love this little shout out because he's he's also an AG. Um, Guys, you can support the Andy's Girls Patreon at patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. You heard my IG at Dame Galley. Send me your satchels of gold, your thoughts and feels, questions and concerns about all things housewives. Um, you can send that to me on Instagram and I'd love to hear from you for the next Patreon Satchel Spectacular. Off to BravoCon, Emerson. Woo woo! Oh my God, I am already so tired, but I'm so invigorated yes, after this uh-huh. chat. Refilled. Amen. And guys, if you're at BravoCon, say hi to me. I might be looking a little dazed and off into the distance. And I might be sure. at 40% at this point. Um, but right now I feel at a 105 and I'm here for it. Uh, toothless, not homeless. Toothless, not homeless. And that is really the moral that we need to take out of this episode. Guys, thanks so much for listening. We'll chat with you soon. Bye-bye.